Now, Vladimir Putin hoped that his invasion of Ukraine would also guarantee his control of the Black Sea. But Russian forces have faced serious resistance in this critical theatre of the war. The Black Sea isn't just an area of geostrategic importance. For centuries, it's been the focus of religious, ethnic and cultural competition. Professor Valentina Ismaliva is director of the Harriman Institute at Columbia University in New York. She runs a new project called the Black Sea Initiative and she explained its significance. With the disintegration of the Soviet Union, Russia lost strategic access to most of its former coastline of the Black Sea, to Georgia and to Ukraine. That means loss not only to trade routes, but also strategic diminishing of the Russian power in terms of its capabilities of controlling routes during a war. So most of the regional conflicts that have emerged out of the disintegration of the Soviet Union are located around the sea. Let me sort of ask you to explain some of those regional conflicts, though, that have occurred around the Black Sea, because I think that really feeds into some of the tension today. What are those conflicts that have popped up in the last 30 years? The population of the Black Sea littoral is notoriously complex. It is the result of centuries of migration and population mixing. So we have over 40 languages spoken around the sea and a myriad of ethnic groups. And during the imperial periods, they were absorbed either by the Ottoman Empire or by the Russian Empire. Then the Soviet Union inherited a lot of those ethnic pockets of difference. The national idea came very late, relatively speaking, to the Black Sea literal and started creating trouble in the 19th century, late 19th century, and all the way through the 21st when the nation buildings continued. So we have regional conflicts around the sea. Valentina, are these tensions that have popped up over the last 30 years, are they ethnically based? I mean, what stokes these tensions? Are they the same sort of tensions that we saw in the Balkans? Yes, and they're driven by the desire of ethnic determination and national determination, but they're also driven by desire for belonging, Mm where to belong as a small group, the desire to differentiate themselves from a certain sphere of influence and, say, the Russian sphere of influence and orient themselves toward the Western sphere of influence or vice versa, to be pulled back into the Russian sphere of influence. Just give us an idea of how diverse ethnically, religiously diverse, this Black Sea region is? Forty languages spoken around a relatively small sea, but they're archaeological layers of different groups that had colonized or inhabited the sea over millennia. During antiquity, the sea was colonized by the Greeks, 
Then during the Middle Ages, we have uh, the arrival of the Genoese and the Venetians. Uh, the Venetians got that far. Oh, yes. <laughs> they, they went as far as Crimea, actually. Yeah. So their entrepreneurial spirit and their trade interests were reflected in the makeup of the region. And then the Ottomans came and controlled the sea for a while until the Russians under Catherine decided to expand their naval presence all the way to the Black Sea and colonize Crimea, which was until then a Tatar state. And from that moment in the late 18th century, there is a history of continual wars between the Ottomans and the Russians for controlling the literal. So, Valentina, how much does religion, though, hang over this tension in the Black Sea? I think of Turkic versus Slavic, which means I think of Islamic versus Orthodox. But how much is this a factor? Well, it has been a very serious factor historically. In fact, the violent encounter of the Russian and Ottoman empires has been cast on both sides as religious conflict between Islam and uh, Eastern Orthodoxy. Numerous wars between the two empires resulted in reciprocal treaties about patronship of uh, their co-religionists in the other empire, the sultans over the uh, Muslims in the Russian empire and the czars over different orthodox communities within the Ottoman empire. But the problem with uh, homogenizing the Orthodox East, as the Russian czars, especially in the late Romanov period, really aspired to, proved to be a rather complicated issue because Orthodox Christianity, unlike Western Christianity, is divided into national, ethnic or national churches. And of course, this was perhaps what, where ethnicity tried to assert itself over religion. We're happy to be Orthodox, but we want to be Bulgarian Orthodox or Romanian Orthodox. Or Georgian or Russian or Ukrainian. So right now, most of the Black Sea literal is controlled by Orthodox countries, but they all belong to different religions. And we saw how volatile the issue of an independent Ukrainian church proved to be only several years ago. And I'm sure it played a significant role in in this new escalation of the war. You've talked about um, why Russia and Putin see the Black Sea in geopolitical terms, military strategy, etc. What about this idea, though, of the Black Sea as a place of soft power, so-called soft cultural power? What sort of tensions are playing out there? This is a very interesting question, and I haven't thought about it quite that way. I don't think that there is a project for soft cultural control. There was perhaps a Soviet plan for culturally colonizing uh, the Black Sea, but it all disintegrated together with the Soviet Union. And now the political scientist Charles King talks about the willful ignorance of the nations around the sea of one another, of their neighbors. They all look toward the West to 
assert their new identity rather than bother to know or to collaborate in some form or another with their neighbours. That's fascinating, Valentina, because if we think of the Black Sea, there are some countries in the Black Sea that have been seeking entry into the European Union unsuccessfully, Turkey, Georgia. Could the Black Sea, in a sense, become a third zone, not Russian, but not Western? Could it literally be that kind of cultural, religious, economic bridge between two spheres? The two metaphors that are usually applied to the sea are bridge or barrier. And it has been a frontier during the Cold War. It tried to envision itself as a bridge zone in the last 30 years with such organizations like the Black Sea Economic Cooperation Forum that was spearheaded by Turkey and which turned to be rather ineffective as a project. What we see now with the war in Ukraine, with the escalation of tension in the region, I see more potential for divisions than for uh, bridging of, of differences. One issue which can and should unite all the countries around the sea is the ecological degradation, which is on the verge of an ecological catastrophe, and it is exacerbated by the war. So they say that the sea was created by the flood. The biblical flood. The the (laughs) myth. And we might be on the verge of uh, some equally devastating catastrophe. So if that doesn't create cooperation and build bridges among the countries of the literal, that couldn't be, can have horrible consequences for all of us. Does the Muslim world see a role for itself, a role for at least its influence in the Black Sea region? So I would say that the very fact that uh, Turkey was the initiator of this uh, forum for Black Sea economic collaboration already suggests that there is Turkish interest in cultivating a sphere of influence around the sea. And the fact that Erdogan tried to play the peacemaker in the conflict between Ukraine and Russia also suggests that There are Turkish ambitions toward uh, the sea itself. Professor Valentin Izmialeva, she's the director of the Harriman Institute here at Columbia University in New York, and she's overseeing the Black Sea Initiative. Thank you for joining us on the Religion and Ethics Report. It has been a pleasure. Thank you. And you're with Andrew West. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.